0: listening to the currency welcome I'm your host I'm Mike Gaston and this is episode number one two six 126 it's Friday January the 13th Friday the 13th 2023 and uh, I'm really glad to be behind the mic first let me start by just saying happy New Year uh, I haven't talked to you guys in a long time since early November for those of you that are faithful listeners uh, and shame on me you know the problem with this the problem with me First of all, is that I'm a great starter. Love starting stuff. Get excited. The vision. It's like oh, the development, the figuring it all out, the get you know the learning. I just love to learn new stuff, and so all the fun <laughs> for me is in the starting and the development of something, the launching of something. Now, what I ache for and I desire is the success of the thing. I want that thing to be successful. I'm like, wouldn't it be great if you know I had a uh, hundred thousand people listening to the podcast? Uh, you know, I was able to make some revenue from it. Like I could focus on it more and so on. But to get to that, you've got to be consistent, steady, and you've got to be good at the long haul. you got to hang in there. Uh, I've got what it takes to hang in with stuff. I just get intellectually, uh, distracted. I get curious about new things and sometimes things, uh, they stall because I'm trying to figure them out. I start things as a way sometimes to figure them out. And so I get going with it. And then I'm in the midst of it saying, okay, where am I going with this? What am I trying to do? And the next thing you know, uh, I stall. So this is episode 126. I mean, this isn't one of these things where I just started it. If you got 126 episodes out there, it's pretty established. And I have to say that the currency's audience, you folks, was growing and growing. It was like really growing nicely. The problem when you stall, and this is like an Apple, iTunes, and I'm sure this is true for some of the other platforms... When you stop publishing, the platform will automatically, over you know, in a certain period of time, will start unsubscribing the subscribers. It'll just stop downloading episodes. So, for instance, I'm putting this episode out, and a lot of people that have been subscribers to the show are not going to see this show up in their feed because the software just says, "Oh, this uh, this thing's dead and uh, it's spotty. It's not uh, reliable. I don't know what the algorithm is trained to think." Uh, algorithms don't think, by the way, but I don't know what it's trained to, 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 to kind of do but it w- or think about it, but it will hide it from you. So I've had people say, oh, I thought you killed that pocket. I'm like, no, I've been putting it out for a while. Well, I never see it anymore. Well, it's because yours truly, your host, isn't consistent and the software platform just stifles it just kind of hides it from sight. So shame on me because you do all this hard work. It's like Sisyphus pushing that rock up the hill. You push that rock all the way up the the mountainside. And it's not the gods frustrating you. It's not the gods sending the rock back down. It's not like this never-ending pushing because of the gods. It's my own fault. I just stopped pushing and the darn thing rolls back down to the bottom of the hill. Okay, well, it is what it is. here I am uh, January thirteenth new year new me not really let's let's let 's face it but I, th- there's hardly a day that goes by that i don 't think about this podcast and and there's a lot of there are a lot of things I do. I do consulting for clients, I do some coaching work you know, I do some writing, I do a lot of re- kind of reading and researching uh, I, I I do YouTube videos again erstwhile but um of all those things, the thing that just is so easy for me, the thing that I think about all the time, the thing that I long for, the thing that I miss when I'm not doing it, is the podcast. And and I have to say, I, like, I love everything I do. I love my consulting. I love the coaching. I love my clients and working with them. I, mean, I really enjoy it. I, I, I love doing the YouTube videos, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I love it all. But, but I would have to say the two top things for me is reading, researching. I put those together, just reading and learning. And the podcast, I just—it's like if I could somehow only do those things. Now, there's a part of me that that desires to write, so I need to write. But funny enough, I mean, I I I don't publish anywhere. Uh, so the idea of like only talking and never writing—that wouldn't work for me. But but like the two things that come so naturally for me is just reading and learning, reading, researching, learning—that kind of one thing, and then talking, and usually talking about what I'm learning. <laughs> Go figure. So there isn't much, um, there, there's hardly a day that goes by where I don't think about this. And, and I hate the fact, like, sometimes I get in these weird, um, and this isn't going to be a psychotherapy session. Well, it probably, I think the whole show is a psychotherapy session for me. But um, I, I think about this podcast all the time. I think about it all the time. I want to do it all the time. So anyway, rather than spend a lot of time saying, I don't know why I do what I do, <laughs> Uh, I just want to share with you for a few minutes that, yeah, um, I miss producing the podcast. Now, as I'm recording this, I'm getting text messages from my wife. Why am I getting text messages from my wife? Well, why is that remarkable, I guess I should say. As I speak, Lydia is in South Africa. Uh, Today's Friday on Monday. Uh, I drove her to the airport and uh, we said goodbye and she hopped on a flight a couple of flights. She got herself to Cape Town and uh, she's about an hour outside of Cape Town with her mom and dad, her sister and brother-in-law uh, visiting. She hasn't seen her family in three years, her parents in three years. Uh, she she got back from a trip to South Africa right when COVID was hitting. I remember when she showed up, uh, you know, from that trip, she said to me, essentially, I don't know if I'll ever see my parents again. I, You know, I'm I'm wondering if this is goodbye just because they're elderly and we didn't know what COVID was going to be all about or how long it would last. Uh, so it's kind of remarkable she's there. She just is sending me a quick text, messages check, text message checking in. Uh, so that's why it's remarkable. Now, what's interesting is this weird communication schedule because in South Africa, they have what they call load shedding. And essentially that is their infrastructure is unable, their electrical infrastructure is unable to supply the necessary electricity to keep the country powered at all times. And this has been going on for many, many years now. And uh, initially it was like ah, every once in a while there might be an hour or two a week. Now it's uh, multiple hours a day to the point where you have fewer hours every day with electricity than you have it without. So you have to plan your life around this, hey, there's going to be electricity on between two in the afternoon and four in the afternoon, or two and six, or six and 12, or whatever those numbers are. And you've got to try to make everything work. People are running uh, gas generators, propane, et cetera, uh, to try to power things. It's, it's really bad. And, you know, I don't know, I haven't done the research, kind of the the common now the common, you know, story that goes around is you know the ANC, the ruling party. It's a, South Africa is essentially a one party country. There are other parties, but the ANC, the African National Congress, this is the party of Nelson Mandela. Uh, they're they're so prolific, so large, so monolithic that they really don't have competition, especially on a national level. You might get some local elections where they skew one way or the other. You know, the ANC really is. Uh, representative of a tribe of people, the Osa people. That's X-H-O-S-A-OSA. Uh, the, the Osa people, you know, a really big group of people in South Africa. You have some other parties that might represent like um that might represent like the Zulu people, et cetera. So you do have other parties. But long and short of it, the ANC is the party um, that controls the country. And because of that, they, you know, are, are are not held accountable. There is no threat of them being elected out of office, unelected. And, and, and the story goes around around the electricity that, yeah, the, the infrastructure was great. I mean, when the ANC took over from the white regime, infrastructure was fine, um, but the problem with... The ANC is that's rife with cor- corruption. So so you get kind of two th- dynamics happening. One is you have these party people who fought in the quote-unquote struggle. You know, when the ANC was illegal, illegitimate, all that kind of stuff, you had people that, you know, like Mandela, who fought in the struggle. They fought against the white oppression, uh, rightfully so, and they fought for their freedom. And uh, so so you had a generation of people that were given... Positions of power based on it being owed to them. You know, I fought in the struggle. I spent time in prison. You know, these types of things, and so, you know, this individual, these individuals across the country would be giving would be given um, political power and in, in, in positions of real responsibility, like like not just a no show job, although often they didn't show, but like you know. Air travel, uh, railway, you know, tra- transportation, uh, communication infrastructures, education—all these kinds of things. Now, the thing about a lot of those folks in the struggle was not only were they just political kind of actors, and oftentimes, not often, but sometimes, you know, military uh, actors, meaning they they might blow things up, they might uh, burn down buildings, or throw rocks. at <laughs> at the police that type of thing I mean they were you know they were active not just politically but but physically violently to try to win their freedom and I'm not you know that is what it is these people often would like drop out of the system meaning they didn't get high school educations they didn't go to college these were activists these were liberation fighters these were political uh, folks that were spending all their time you know trying to rally the common people to the cause and to activate them and and overthrow an oppressive government so, so you get all these people that are ill-equipped for one reason or another put into these roles. And at the same time, uh, so there's an incompetence, you know... L- problem and, and you, can't go, you can 't go you you know you can 't say someone 's incompetent because then you get into this whole race thing it 's like well, the whites were very competent. look the infrastructure was fantastic when we were handed it over or it was taken from us and look at these black people don 't know what they 're doing so you, so you 're in a situation where you can 't criticize the new leadership because that 's racist uh, you 're just attacking them because they 're black and at this and, and at 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 the, at the same time uh there's no check and balance because there's no other party that's going to win. Like if you're really bad and in and inept at your job, there's no way to be kicked out. And and what ends up happening in a government where there's no check and balance, is you get you get extreme corruption. So this uh, this idea that the electrical infrastructure isn't working. Uh, You know, because it was fine before, but these guys don't know what they're doing. The idea is that all this money is coming in for the infrastructure, whether it's international aid money, whether it's revenue streams, taxation, and South Africa has had quite an economy and had quite an infrastructure uh, through through the years that that money is getting siphoned off into private bank accounts of corrupt politicians. And so you have infrastructure falling apart. And if you can imagine electrical generation and electrical uh, transportation delivery infrastructure, we're talking you know probably billions of dollars worth of infrastructure not being cared for over a 20-year period. And, and this is why the system is failing more and more. Initially, it was like, hey, we got brownouts, you know, that kind of stuff here and there. Okay, big deal. People, you know, hey, it's Africa. We'll deal with it. That's kind of the attitude. Now it's the point where you can't get electricity. And this and this is for everybody. I mean, you, I'm not talking about just people living in tin shacks. I'm talking about people with multi-million dollar homes. It's the whole country. You can't get electricity on a regular basis. And when you get it, it's the it's the... It's a fraction of the day. It's not. It's the. It's the lesser. You know, you're getting it for two to four hours a day. Sometimes a little better, uh, versus not having it for two to four hours. So there's a lot of corruptions. A lot. And, and, and so that story that's going around tends to make sense when you when you look at this idea that incompetence and infrastructure not being cared for. And then you get this degradation of service delivery. You can't get electricity, and it becomes worse and worse. Well, that you know, two plus two equals four. It seems to make sense. So that's what's going on there. So all that to say, Miss Lydia, just um, Mrs. G, I should say, sent me a text, and I thought, oh, I wonder if this is her small window of time where she got electricity. I glanced at it while doing the recording. She was just saying, "Hey, off to see an old school friend." Um, uh, that, that she keeps in touch with. They, they've often talked on the phone. So this is young, This is I say young woman. <laughs> Same age as Lydia. I guess she's a young woman. But this is a, a girl she went to, to high school with and just really good friends. So she'll have to see her. Very happy for her. Anyway, wish you, Lydia, if you're listening, a lovely trip and a lovely visit. All right, uh, I'm on my own for three weeks. I've got almost one week down. One week of the three. Not so bad. It's me, the dog, and the cat. So we're doing all right so far. Um I've been so busy with client work this week that I haven't really noticed that I'm on my own other than when it's time to to you know come downstairs and eat dinner. Uh of course I'm walking the dog. I'm taking all the dog duties, so that's kind of fun. Lots of walking. Anyway, hope you guys had a great new year. Uh I don't have any big statements for this episode. I, I just thought it would be good to sit down and record and, and, and apologies, right? I, I'm doing this to get myself out of the rut. Like often, if you're, not, if you're not doing something, that becomes an an inertia in and of itself. You're just kind of the inertia of not doing it. You've got to overcome that somehow. And that's, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm not saying like, hey, you might as well just click off because this podcast is a throwaway. No, 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 dear listener. That's not true. Uh, but I don't have any giant theme. There's a few things I want to touch on. Over the next few minutes, I'm not going to go too long today. But I really just want to get an episode recorded and get it out there so that I can get back on track on my weekly publishing uh, schedule. Uh, I do want to recommend, if if in the past you've enjoyed my content, folks have been listeners, they've been watchers of my YouTube, they read you know, some of my blog posts, that type of thing, I want to encourage you uh, to check out uh, uh, a paid newsletter that I launched this late this year, it's called Broadside. I launched it November first. Uh, actually, the first episode went out the second. I want to say um, it, it, it publishes every Tuesday at seven o five in the morning. So once a week, I send out this newsletter t- uh, via email to my subscribers. It's ten dollars a month. I mean, It works out to two fifty a week. Uh, pretty much the cost of a, of a cup of coffee, I would imagine. Although in in Joe Biden's economy, I'm not even sure you can get a coffee for 250. Uh, but you can get Broadside for 250 a week. It's 10 bucks a month. If you pay annually, you save on two months. It's 100 bucks for a year. But I want to tell you about that because it's been a really great project, and I've I've just loved it. I, I've been so grateful for the folks that have subscribed. It's been encouraging to see kind of the I'll call it a flood. The flood might be an overstatement, but the outpouring of support, people saying, "Yeah, I want your thinking," and essentially what I'm trying to tackle is just is is sense making, wayfinding, you know, meaning. It's like, hey, I'm not trying to talk philosophy, et cetera, but you know, we're looking at the world every week. What's going on in the news? What's going on in the world we're living in? And I'm just trying to provide some insight. We've talked about the FTX, Sam Bankman Freed uh, scandal. We've talked about Elon Musk and um, and uh, some of his stuff, uh, both with Twitter and with the Cybertruck, as a follow-up. Uh, you know, we've talked about the schizophrenic state of mind that our that our modern media creates, and the, and the effect that has on us, and and ways to overcome it. Uh, talked about all kinds of things, and would love for you to check it out if you're interested. Just go to my website, mikegaston.com forward slash. Get Broadside, MikeGaston.com forward slash get broadside. And there, there's a little write up. Uh, I don't know that it's a fantastic sales page. And of course, there's a button you can click uh, to subscribe. We'd we'll love to have you guys check it out. Love to have you as a subscriber. Uh, so yeah, so that's that's broadside. Check it out, um, and uh, let me know what you think. So guys, let's um, let's shift gears a little bit. I, I had an opportunity to go out last night. Now, now the event I went to is an off the record event. It's an event that happens here in Charleston. It's it's off the record. I shall not name the name of the event. I shall not even talk about kind of what the event is about. It happens once a month, and it's nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. It's nothing mysterious. Nothing. Um, malignant. It's, it's just a little society event that gets together. I I, I kind of stumbled across it through my wife and uh, got on the mailing list. And I just kind of keep an eye out because they bring speakers in. Some are more local or state level, uh, some more political in, in orientation, others more cultural, et cetera. And, and I was pleased to see uh, about a week or so ago, Roger Kimball, was going to be a speaker at, at this event. And and for those of you that don't know, Roger Kimball is the editor and publisher of a magazine called The New Criterion. Now, I've, I've uh, become a subscriber of The New Criterion, and I love it. Essentially, The New Criterion is a conservative, uh, if you're like a literature, art, music, media critic kind of person, you like to read the critiques of uh, of books, um, plays, uh, music, et cetera, uh, kind of like the art critic scene. Uh, the New Criterion is a conservative's version of that, and it's been around, I want to say, since the 80s. I mean, the New Criterion's, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's been around, it's a flagship. I mean, this thing's been around for a long time. And Roger Kimball, uh, he's been the editor for a long time. He's also the, the president, editor, publisher of, uh, of uh, I forget the name of the book, it's not Empyrean, I can't remember the name, uh, of, a, of a publishing house for, for conservative books. He contributes to, I think, the Wall Street Journal, don't quote me on that, Epoch Times, um, you know, the American Spectator, maybe, I, you know, so there's a few publications he writes for. And I, I want to say Roger, he doesn't look it, but he's in his, I think, early 70s. So I saw that he was going to be speaking here in Charleston. And I'm like, I got I to gotta see him. So I, I went out last night. I was in client meetings all day. I, I've been taking part in a client um, strategic planning session. This, You know, they're going through their week of strategic planning. And so I've been on like these calls from, like, you know, morning all the way through to late afternoon, and we finished up around 4.30, 4 o'clock. I think 4.30 yesterday. Uh, so I kind of pressed a shirt. I got everything all ready. I, sh- you know, shaved and showered and gussied up beforehand. And then, you know, got off the call, threw on a clean shirt, put on a sport coat... Um, you know, and and went to this event. It was just really lovely to hear Robert uh, Roger speak. Now, the only critique I have is the event organizer. Uh, yeah, he scheduled like three speakers. And so you got these two guys getting up. They were both fine. Like, these were fine guys. But I was like, why are you packing these speakers? Because it got to the point where it's like, Kimball didn't have enough time to finish his talk. He'd written out a talk. It was fantastic. It was erudite. The, The vocabulary, the wit, it was intelligent. It was logical. It was just like, it was a treat. It was a treat to hear this man's mind. You know, he wrote out this talk. It was a fantastic talk. It was both kind of you know, high and lofty in some ways and, and, and very common in others. And I don't mean common in a pejorative sense, just very relatable and, and earthly. And it was just this really lovely talk. And he was making salient points. He, it was witty. I mean, I just was enjoying it. And it was like, you know, the, the other two speakers, again, they were fine. But, they you know, one guy had written a book. He was kind of pumping the book, so and it was the classic kind of, I say classic, I don't want to take anything away from this guy, but it was like, you know, the right wing, like what's going on the left, and what's wrong with these guys, and where does critical race theory come from? Very very pedantic about critical race theory. Now, I don't know the, the room, I don't, I don't know hardly anyone in this room. It's a lot of money, it's a lot of high society, uh, you know, folks in Charleston, so I don't know what they know about critical race theory. I don't know what they don't know. But it was very kind of entry level. You know, I just I just sat there like, okay, I mean, I know you got a book. So we got to go through the points of the book. The book seemed very basic, blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. Nice guy. I mean, and I think the I'm sure his book is important. I'm sure it's going to touch people's lives and help them. You know, the next guy got up and he's, you know, he's got some uh, organization. I'm not going to say what he's into. It, it doesn't matter. But like, you know, he's... He's got the he's got the hype, the energy. He gets up there, what you know? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Like that kind of like you know, blowing out the mic, like I'm doing. I think, by the way, as I'm recording, I realize I am recording a little hot, so this is there's probably gonna be some clipping, and I do apologize. I just refuse to stop and start all over again because um, that's just not how it's done. That's on me. I, I just think I'm recording a little hot, so I, I do apologize if the audio is a little blown out today. But he was a hyper diaper. He's up there. He was fun. Okay, blah blah blah. So, so you kind of get this, like, pretty entry-level author. He's not entry-level, but it just it's this is not, like, intellectually stimulating. Uh, maybe a little titillating, but not intellectually stimulating. Then you got this rah-rah-rah guy, lovely. Both the guys are great. They were lovely guys. And then you get this Roger Kimball who's just, you know, in his 70s um, art critic, editor, publisher, thinker, you know this guy travels in circles. Not to say that that makes him special. Uh, you know, you and I don't travel in circles. I would like to bleed that we're also you know valuable human beings. But like he brings so much to the to the table, and he seems like a lovely guy. I got to say hi to him. I just I just went over and introduced myself. I, I was not introduced to him. I just walked up to him and said, "Excuse me, Roger is with a couple people." Turned out to be um, a couple young colleagues that that work at the New Criterion. I just said, hey, uh, I'm a subscriber. I love the publication. It's an honor to meet you, you know, blah, 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 that that kind of thing. And he he was polite. I mean, it wasn't like he gave me a big hug and said, well, tell me more about yourself. I mean, you know, you show up at a at a, at a strange city. He's from New York City or he lives in New York City. I think he was born in Maine. But, um, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, you, you, everyone's not a long lost friend. I wasn't expecting a big, but he was, he was gracious. It was a pleasure just to say hi to him. So anyway, my only complaint is just that they stacked too many people. You didn't need those speakers. I mean, this guy, Roger Kimball, could have carried the whole evening on his own. And the event organizer, he's tone deaf. There's something about this guy, and if he listens to this, well, Charleston's a small town. But, I mean, he he seems like a nice enough guy, but there's, people have orientations some people are oriented towards other people, some people are oriented towards their work, some people are oriented towards their family. We we all have these kind of ways in which we are giving attention both moment by moment but also as a human being what we attend to. We get oriented towards something and and um the I don't know I don't know what this guy's orientation is. Now that sounds like I'm making a <laughs> Uh, Comment on his sexuality. I am not. Uh, Back in the old days, we used to talk about someone's orientation. I don't know if anybody says that anymore because, oh my gosh, what a wreck the world is when it comes to sexuality. But his orientation is... It it doesn't strike me as being towards the other, we'll just say. Uh, I don't want to accuse him because I really don't know him, but the kind of just observing this guy a couple times... And watching the way he communicates and the way he doesn 't communicate, I just sometimes I wonder if he 's aware there's you know sometimes when you 're oriented a certain way you can 't help it. you have blind sides you you have parts of yourself that you can 't see and and they 're natural like if you 're if you 're facing north you can 't help but be blind to the south that 's just how it works and uh, you might have some periphery et cetera east west but you can 't see behind you and I think some. I I, I suspect the way that this fellow is oriented. There's certain things he's blind to, and so he cut Roger short. I mean, I I don't know what it cost to bring Roger in. I don't know why Roger was in town. If um, I can't imagine he came, I mean, maybe he did, but I can't imagine he came just for an off-the-record talk, um, you know, to a couple hundred people. Maybe, but um, why would you cut this man short? This man's a treasure. He's a gift and And he was wonderful to listen to i mean he 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 wasn't gung ho and rah rah, he didn't stir up the crowd that way, but if you if you listened to what he was saying and you made some effort which didn't take much but just some effort to follow him, highly entertaining, substantive thoughtful witty i mean it just it was just it was a treat and uh so I was really glad to do that disappointed that that he got rushed towards the end i mean this guy starts like creeping up to the stage, off to the, you know, stage... Um, well, it'd be stage... Facing the stage, it was to the right. I, I guess if you're on the stage, it'd be stage left. But he's he's kind of standing there, and, you know, Roger's kind of... You can tell Rogers sees him, but he's trying to, as a professional, like, why would you stop me from speaking? I came all the way in to speak, like, let me finish. And it wasn't like we were that much over time. I mean, I would have stayed late. I mean, people can get up and leave if they have to, but why would you stop this guy? and uh so he's kind of now pressuring from the side and Roger eventually looks up and kind of laughs but you could tell it was a little bit like get off my back he was like look i i'm almost i'm almost done i'm finishing and then he continues reading his talk and he, and he does a great read this wasn't like you know nose into the papers it just but he, and then he just kind of stops and says well look he just kind of throws his hands up and he's like let me get to the let me get to the end and then he just cuts to the his kind of closing and i I felt ripped off. I mean, not from Roger. I don't feel like it was Roger's fault, but, it, but as an audience member, I was like, what was the rush? It wasn't, wasn't Roger's fault. So anyway, um, that's more than you wanted to know about me in the last 20 some odd minutes. Um, in some co- upcoming episodes, I am going to talk about a book that I've been working on, not writing, reading. Uh, it's a book by a, uh, a scholar named Eric Vogelin. Now, Vogelin was a German-American slash scholar, born in Germany, fled Germany, um, you know, came to the US. a political science uh, scholar, and he wrote a book, he wrote a number of books, but he wrote one that I've been reading called The New Science of Politics. Now, a book was really a speech. It was a series of speeches given in 1951. Those speeches were turned into a book in 1952, uh, in which Vogelin writes, you know, an introduction for it, really good. So I read this book just a few weeks ago, and it took a lot of work. I mean, it's not a long book. I want to say maybe 100 and... It's under 180 pages. Let's let's call it one, 174, 176. Not a lot of pages, uh, but it takes a lot of work. Vogelin's style is rather dense, Uh I don't know if it's his German upbringing, you know, he, he writes in English. Uh, this book is written in English, but the speeches, the talks were given at the, uh, is it University of Chicago or Chicago University? I think it's Chicago University. So he gave the talks in English, but but it's very dense. And then I'm not like a big poli-sci guy, so I had to spend a fair amount of time making sure I understood his terms, you know, every discipline, every academic discipline. Has its own set of terms. And, and with Vogelin, not only does he have, not only is he using terms in his discipline, but he's also kind of repurposing terms for his own use or redefining things. Uh, and so you've got to spend a fair amount of time deciphering Vogelin, I feel like. Now, maybe it's just that I'm a midwit. And, <laughs> you know, you, dear listener, may find Vogelin quite accessible. Uh, but for me, I had to spend a fair amount of time. So I read through it and wrote very rough, very ugly kind of synopsis of each chapter to make sure I was kind of grasping it, forcing myself to kind of work through it. And now I'm just reading it again. I'm, I'm past the halfway mark. And in, in the read's easy now, but I'm reading through again. Uh, in both passes, I've been, you know, taking notes my uh, to include my Zettelkasten, which is my note-taking system. But... Um, Fantastic, fantastic book. So I think coming up, maybe next episode, I will spend a little bit of time sharing some of these, like, really powerful thoughts of Vogelund's. And uh, maybe I'll do that over the next few episodes. It's just really good stuff, really good stuff. So I should have that book finished in a few days. I just haven't, you know, going out to hear, like, Roger speak. And shame on me, I came home at, like, 8.30 and made myself a Negroni as opposed to popping a book open. Once I have a drink, I I can't. I'm tired as it is, I'm not getting enough sleep, so then add a little bit of a cocktail or a glass of wine to the mix, and it's like I'm out. Uh, And I'm gonna be 56 in a few weeks, and... uh, I'm not lying, I'm a bit of a lightweight. Like, I enjoy a drink, but I I can't... Yeah, it doesn't take much, and I'm tired. (laughs) Anyway, guys, thank you so much for your time, for the, for the 12 of you that, that um, found this, you know, and, and, and realized that, oh my gosh, Mike put an episode out. Uh, looking forward to digging into real content as we go forward. Very grateful for you guys. Excited about 2023. I wish you all of God's blessing uh, for this year. I hope that it's a fantastic year for you. Love you each and every one, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Cheers.